Melissa, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling better than the last time we were on this microphone, but still not full human. I'm sorry. That sucks. It's okay. It's fine. I spent all of last week going from work directly into my bed mm-hmm. and then getting out of bed to go to work and then get directly back into my bed. I did that literally all week until Congress on Friday. Yeah. Well, and thank I goodness there was Congress on Friday, considering there was yet another school closure this week. Yeah. That's insanity for all of the schools that are closing like all the time. Time. Yeah. Having to extend all the time out. And now and there's feel- more snow coming this week. Yeah, literally Get right ready, now y'all. as we're recording, it has fallen. No, I just normally like sometimes we can luck out and hope that NSDA Nationals is like right after school gets out. So then they don't have to worry about going back. But there's a full week from when school technically would have let out to yeah. when NSDA Nationals is. So there's not that overlap this year. Mm-hmm. Sorry, teacher friends who also go to NSDA Nationals. Yeah. Um, I had such a weird but kind of nice week um one thing first of all that i feel like we have to address is we released three episodes last week uh yeah surprise surprise beach <laughs> surprise even just a little bit of a surprise to you uh yeah 100 percent. you did not tell me you were putting out mackenzie's episode we recorded that two years ago almost <laughs> I know. now And I thought that the audio had just gotten lost or something because technology is weird. And so I just had thought that it was just a nice conversation that the three of us plus Hollis had had and that it was just going to like have been a nice moment in time. And then all of a sudden I opened my podcatcher to go get ready for my walk to work. And I was like, oh, hey, look, it's here. Kirk James, (laughs) what a nice gift you gave me. I thought you might catch on. I thought you might catch on when... The UW Whitewater Boys episode was entitled Part One. I just assumed that you were being optimistic for real. (laughs) (laughs) And I am. Hopefully there's a part three and a part four down the line where we keep talking about college forensics. But yes, I knew we had at least two so we could make it a series and I could finally release that episode. Which I did. And then I got to tell Mackenzie that the episode came out and then we got to Snapchat back and forth to her hating the sound of her own voice. Uh, welcome to the <laughs> welcome club, Welcome to girl. our lives. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, so was, that was great. Yeah. If, if people did get like too busy to listen to three episodes of us in one week, just make sure you keep those in your feed and go back. Um, yeah. I love that we are taking some time to just talk about the fact that forensics in college is a thing. And more people should do it and think about it because um, it's a great experience for everybody we've talked to who has done it. So. And yeah. having gotten to watch it, because we talked in that episode about how my plans were to go watch Mackenzie and Eau Claire. And I did get to talk on the podcast after it happened about how I did make the drive to Eau Claire to watch Mackenzie. And Collegiate Forensics is familiar but it's also its whole own other animal we're the same species but then we start drifting off Mm -hmm. the familial lines start going in other directions it is incredible i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about how good some of those performances i saw were so yeah i i loved both of those conversations um and it was such a treat to go back and listen to the one we had with Mackenzie. Uh, Because I was like, oh, yeah, I just I remember how great I felt about college forensics after that talk. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'm glad we're finally doing it. We're talking about college forensics. Um, Speaking of collegiate forensics people, 
Um, one person we mentioned in that episode yeah. was Mr. Elliot Fisher, uh-huh. who was a coach at Oshkosh. Yes. Um, and I'm getting distracted because we're making weird faces at each other through FaceTime. <laughs> You got um, to go on a date with Elliot Fisher. On I Monday got to go on a coffee not. date with Elliot Fisher. It was so nice. So we actually like hung out in real life. Nothing to do with forensics was happening. We just were like, would you like to see one another and talk like human beings who are not attached to a high school speech event? And Weird. we did it. And it was fun. We did talk a lot about forensics, but <laughs> but it was so nice to hang out with somebody from the forensics world and not have it have anything to do with hanging out at a forensics tournament and not yeah, like having outside to, of a high it, school. Weird. It was. It was. And like not having to pause the conversation to like go enter ballots or like answer a question. And yeah. Or worry nice. about someone overhearing you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although the conversation was pretty tame. Well, that's good. Yeah. We're, we're just happy to see each other and like, and like, and like catch up and um, he's doing great and I'm doing great and life is good. And Way to rub it in. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. You're doing great. Life is good. Am I doing great? <laughs> well, you're physically unwell. Uh, yeah. Also, like real talk in like like now in the upswing out of a depressive episode part of my like being physically ill also brought on a lot of like poor mental illness for me last week um and uh yeah i'm i'm not doing that great but it's okay, okay. i'm working on it well, we're gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna to do the steps yeah well it's it's a point in the season where we're like the my kids have done five tournaments. Yesterday was our fifth tournament of the season. And next week is a marathon weekend for us because I have kids are doing Congress on Friday. We can compete in Kakana on Saturday and then we have CFL qualifiers on Sunday. And it's really rough for a lot of my kids. And so they're already getting worn down. And so we started, we've been having conversations about self-care and like reaching out for help and like knowing when to say no. If I'm like, you, you should try to get an extra practice in this week. And then them saying, no, I'd like, to take that 45 minutes to an hour to like maybe lay down or something yeah. like having those conversations is important. And I made it, I've made it a goal this year to be really honest with my kids about like mental illness, having like spent last year, like going to therapy for the first time and like going on medication for the first time in my life and like wanting to be honest with them so that they know that we can have conversations about it. Cause yeah, it's uncomfortable to like, have to tell your kids like oh yeah i wasn't in practice this week because i was both physically and mentally ill mm -hmm. but we're working on it so if you are someone who also deals with mental illness and you feel comfortable doing so i fully suggest being having open dialogue with your students about it because it is a really great way to enrich your relationship with them but also help you understand how they work as people knowing which students on my team deal with anxiety and deal with depression and knowing when to see sort of the same signs in myself in them helps me do a better job to take care of them outside of just being their forensics coach. So and talking about I'm doing it. great at that. I How about see, that? I'm doing great I, at being a caretaker. I think you're doing great um, because talking about it also helps to destigmatize it. And yes. young people need that even more than adults do, but adults need it too. So like, mm -hmm. it's okay to talk about when you are depressed or even just sad or upset or feeling too exhausted and tired to even 
want to get out of bed some days or the days when you just like hate the things you usually love. It's okay to talk about those things because we all go through it. Yeah. So it's important. Let's do it. Let's talk mm-hmm. about being sad, guys. Well, that that took a turn. Um, <laughs> it did. But anyway, things but that are I not I'm sad. I'm okay with that. Things that are not. What are things sad. that are not sad? Um, well, you had like a kind of like cool week, like professionally last week that we didn't really like totally talk forgot about. to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited that my very first young adult novel uh, as an audiobook was released last week. It's called Straight Boy by Jay Bell. And um, I think we talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it on the pod. I know you and I have talked about it. Um, But just a really good book that I enjoyed doing. And it's nice because all these kids I've worked with over the years, like I could actually recommend this one and be like, if you're interested in a contemporary young adult romance, you can listen to this one because you will not have to hear your former forensics coach describing explicit sexual relations, which are yeah. a part of most of the adult romance books that I read. Also, like, no shame. For people who don't know, Jay Bell is like kind of a BFD when it comes to like LGBTQIA plus like young adult books. Like when you told me that you were like even just auditioning for it, I was like, Oh my God, you're auditioning for Jay Bell. Like I, like I knew who that was, which is yeah. like crazy for me. And so then when you like got it and then he, like you like retweeted that he was like tweeting about you. And I was like, Oh my God, Kurt narrated for Jay Bell. Like, yes. It's for real, which also just like puts me like one closer to once I'm closer to like that dream life that you and I have, where we just like stop our jobs and we write way I novels together that you then go mm-hmm. on to narrate and we live that life. Okay. Let's make that's that another happen. version though. Okay. That's a different part of our lives. So yeah, this is one that I can actually wholeheartedly recommend to all podcast listeners. Straight Boy by Jay Bell, narrated by yours truly. Um, there is like I said, there's no explicit sex. It is young adult. There is some explicit language, and they certainly do like talk about sex as teenagers want to do. Um, so it's not like it ignores that aspect of a young adult's life, but these are high school kids. And, um, just like if it were a young adult movie or TV show, they cut away before you get to anything explicit, um, which was also kind of refreshing. So I, and I enjoyed it. And yet, like you said, J bell is well known in the queer, uh, romance community, especially when it comes to young adults and he's a really good writer and wrote a really great book. And I hope that people go and listen to it. So let's move on and talk about this week, which is really just going to be you talking about this week because oh God, I, didn't, I didn't go to a forensics tournament this weekend because no. I went to see my husband in the show that he is in. He was in Mamma Mia here in De Pere. Um, so I had family come on Saturday as well as friends come up to see both the matinee and the evening show. So I had a busy day of cooking and cleaning and I'll I'll say it. I was drinking uh, with family and friends uh, and seeing a show. So you were being the hostess with the most. Yeah. And just like being an adult who goes out on a Saturday. What? What's that? That Making that face hurt my neck. That was me. (laughs) 
And it wasn't <laughs> worth it because nobody else can see it except for I me. I know. Um, okay, well, I'm going to backtrack a little past Saturday because I want to talk about Friday night. I went to the West Bend uh, Congress on Friday night. I've never been to the West Bend Congress. Normally, um, Ben and I, like we switch off back and forth for Congress, but I'm doing two Congresses in a row because I have plans this Friday with you. Uh, So I went to the West Bend Congress for my first time ever. Y'all, Doris Sexton is also a hostess with the mostess. We got there. she, She had snacks laid out for the kids. Yes. She what? had just like a nice spread of snacks. She already had water bottles out. She was just like going around making sure that they were eating all their snacks and stuff. And then we had Congress. I was parleying all evening, which I don't normally do because it makes me really nervous, but I had a completely delightful time. So I'm going to try to parley more in the future because it was fun as heck for me. Uh, and then she had a lovely dinner spread. She also emailed Kroll uh, earlier this week being like, hey, let me know what Melissa wants me to order for dinner because we're getting subs. And I was just like, Doris, you don't have to think of me. But she did, you guys. She thought of me and it made my heart so full. But I brought my own food anyway uh, <laughs> because I'm that person. Because I don't. I am so Midwestern and such a Hufflepuff and such an introvert that I feel awful putting people out in literally any way. Even when people are offering, I'm going to say no if I feel that it's in any way mildly inconvenient. That is just me as a person. I'm sorry. No, my aunt and grandma did that to me this weekend, too, because like I offered to make them a meal and then they brought food. And I was like, what are you doing? Just being a woman, trying not to take up space in any way, shape or form. Um, but the Congress was delightful. Doris is an amazing host. I loved every second of it. It was great. Thank you, Doris. You put on an amazing Congress. Uh, and then Saturday, I went to Hortonville High School where I judged all ding, dang day, judged all four rounds. Uh, and it was a long day because my, my kids are running to the ground, as we were saying. And, and I am still coming off of an illness slash falling into another one. Who even knows at this point? I don't. But it was, it was honestly, it was a tough day yesterday. Uh, but my, we, we still had some, some nice success as a team. Uh, and it's a, it's a nice area cause that's, those are our, our diocese people. So that's why we go to Hortonville to compete against our diocese. Uh, but I was really glad to come home and have it be over. <laughs> yeah. I will say having not been there, but just observing on social media, it appears that the Hortonville curse for Sheboygan North continued. <laughs> Because that group and Terp group that does well everywhere else didn't power there again. No, it's the weirdest thing. It's like, it's like, I don't even know what it is. The Bermuda Triangle of Sheboygan North group and Terp. Maybe it's just just something happens at that school every year. We would not talk about it on this podcast if it wasn't this much of a trend. Yeah, it's just weird. It's a thing. It's just different results than we are used to seeing from week to week at Hortonville. And it always happens. Yeah. But uh, I want to give a podcast shout out to uh, Mr. Mike Tross, who pulled me aside and yelled at me for not telling him ahead of time that we were going to be talking about solo acting, even though I did, uh, because he wanted to tell me his thoughts about it uh, and then shared them with me. And then also gave me a few notes 
because I told him to make up for not asking about solo acting if he wanted to give me notes about this week's categories. So he did. So I'll be sharing them when we get down the line. But oh, um, I'm sorry, Mike, that we didn't reach out to you to talk about solo acting ahead of time. That's my bad. That's our bad. And I, But I told him that if he wanted to come on and talk about any of the other number of weeks, I showed him the entire calendar and he was like, no, it's OK, but we're going to get him. Oh, at some I mean, at some point we still need to do the whole him and Deb like interview where we like have them together, but then we also separate them for a little while, like the newlywed game. Yeah. And like get their get their answers to questions, but get them separately and then bring them back together and see how close they were. We're doing that at some point. We've literally been planning that since like we since I first started doing this podcast with you and Mike and Deb started being my like actual friends in real life. Mm-hmm. Like it's been years. This has been a plan now. <laughs> it's and it's not entirely our fault either because they are still super busy. Yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. Like I I saw them at Oshkosh North and we set a day to hang out for the end of February. Because <laughs> like that's just what we have to do is like schedule a month in advance in order to see each other. So what is life? I'm what seeing my life? real friends for the first time this week and since Christmas. So <laughs> I live in the same town as them, but they're not in forensics. So they're not real people to me. But luckily, I've been doing this for long enough that all of them understand that it's because right. it's forensic season. Like you you just don't like, see these people. No, they're like, I'll Snapchat you later. Tell me about mm-hmm. your life. I'll like see your you post on April. Facebook. Bye. <laughs> yeah, Even then, January maybe that's an April stretch. <laughs> um. But and then one more podcast shout out from me. Um, I should right now, while we're recording this, be at the winter executive board meeting, but I was working this morning, so I was not there. But um, thank you to all of our lovely executive board members who are out in Sun Prairie right now, making plans, planning for changes, changing the plans, all that good stuff. You're great. Sorry, but also kind of not sorry that I'm not there because it's not great driving conditions. And I'm yeah. still an incredibly anxious driver. I was going to say, where did you say it was? In Sun Prairie. Oh, yeah. I would not have driven to Sun Prairie today. Not with these roads. So I hope they're having productive uh, time together, but I also hope they're all super safe. Yeah. So and it's a good Safety thing. Most, it's a good thing that a lot of them are from the Madison area because. Yeah. No. This would not be a trip I would take. Yeah. Those were some excellent shout outs and a really good recap of your weekend. So nicely done. Thanks for filling the gap there since I could not contribute. Yes. But and and I'm a and because I'm a good podcast co-host, I do have a best thing I saw this week and it's an actual forensics performance. Well, I know. Okay. Um, So I got to judge. I got to judge Farago. And I purposely did not look up what school they were from, even though they ended up winning the tournament yesterday. So if you want to look it up, you can. Um, because disclaimer, we're not trying to promote this performance. We're just no, celebrating it. I just want to celebrate it. Uh, so it was in Farago and the uh, program was called Love Mom. And it was an incredibly specific theme based on um, this woman writing about her relationship with her daughter who deals with an eating disorder that the daughter has also published works about her relationship with her mother uh, and then separately also published works about her eating disorder along with some other facts and stuff about eating disorder so the whole piece was literally just about these two women uh, and it was so good so good in fact that uh, one 
of the other competitors had her mom in the room with her. And this mom just began crying during the Frago. (laughs) And I was just like, dang, like what a testament to a talent that you're doing a piece about a mother daughter relationship while a mother daughter pair are sitting in the room and the mom is like crying and the daughter's like trying to like hold her mom's hand to like get her mom to calm down because she's like mildly embarrassed and her mom is like crying in this frantic track. But at the same time, the performance was so good. She was so engaging. She never like went too far over because especially with a topic like like a mother-daughter relationship and all of those emotions in it it can be really like fraught and like overdone and it can be really thick but she she hit all the right notes and weird fact about me I don't clap after forensic performances because I'm almost always trying to like write as much as possible but I set my pen down to clap for her well good I don't typically, I wouldn't except uh, like this year I've noticed it a lot. And again, I'm judging more than I ever have before that like the kids don't start clapping until I start clapping. Oh, no, you guys have to applaud for each other. And if I have to start it, I will. Oh, and then of course there's the dreaded, there's the dreaded you're alone in the room with a kid because everybody else is double entered and then they finish. Oh, then I'll clap. Oh God. Then I have have to to clap. Like, I'm sorry, this is so paltry for you. It's just me. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, or I'll do the thing where I like slap my leg and I like start saying thank you. Thank you so much. So and while I'm still writing with the other hand just to make up for it. Yeah. But yeah, the performance was amazing. It was so good. She was great. The way the program was written and woven together was incredible. The take on that theme, which is sort of one that people consider to be overdone, was so good. So specific. I loved it. Thank you. Thank what you an to interesting what, yeah, what an interesting way to approach Farago. Right. Um, which, spoiler alert, we're talking about it next week. Um, <laughs> to to make the theme a family. Right? <laughs> My theme for Farago is these two people who wrote a bunch of stuff and I'm yep. using it as a Farago. How cool. That's so smart. What a great idea. I love that. Um, the best thing I saw this week was Mamma Mia at Broadway Theater in De Pere. Hey, good husband. Good husband. Uh, All right, let's move on and talk about our topic of the week. This week, for our categorious topic, we are discussing moments in history. And I picked this topic for this week because I knew you'd be feeling this way. Because we always feel this way by about halfway through the season. And I thought moments in history... um, is very interesting and a really cool topic, but it's also pretty straightforward. Yeah. So it's it shouldn't um, take us too long to get through how to be successful in moments in history. Um, but uh, did you pull up the uh, WFCA definition for moments in history, Melissa? Would you like to define the category? I'm just turning my phone around so you can see that. Yes, indeed, the WFCA website <laughs> is pulled up on my computer. All right. So the WFCA defines moments in history as such. The challenge to the speaker is to select and explore a historical topic within the limits presented each the year. Students may consider parenthetical, but are not limited to using the following areas of research, archival records, diaries, personal interviews, letters, newspapers, etc. The speaker is to use this research information to compose and present a well-organized informative speech. This is an original informative speech category and not an acting category. And I just want to point out that the definition for moments in history is longer than almost any other definition 
on the WFCA website. It is three full lines long. The only thing longer than that is storytelling and student Congress. Okay. So. So I guess I'm wrong and it's not that straightforward. No, I still think it is. I still think it's pretty straightforward. Um, What kind of experience do you have with moments in history? I never did it in high school and I have never had any like particularly super successful kids in moments in history. I do enjoy judging moments in history because I'm a secret history buff and I love fun facts. I love like Mm. little tidbits of like trivia and stuff. Uh, So moments is very, I love judging it. Most of the time I absolutely adore judging it unless it's really awful history times I get chosen, but we haven't had what I've thought was a bad, like actual moment in history, like set time for a while now. So what about you? I would say to me, the only bad moments in history times are when they're, they end up being just the same topics over and over again. Cause like maybe, yeah. and, and, and I don't know how a committee could fix that. Like you can't not pick a year because the American revolution happened during it. And so everybody's yeah. going to talk about that. Like you picked a time period and everybody chose those topics. Um, as I never did it in high school. Um, I have coached uh, one student that I can think of in particular who has done well with it over the last few years. Um, so some experience, but not a lot. Um, and full disclosure, that student also comes from like a forensics family. So she did a lot of the work on her own with the help of yeah. her parents and grandparents who kind of hooked her up with topics, all of which in her high school career have connected to her personally in some way, shape or form. Like she's always got a personal connection to her moments in history topic. Um, so uh, I can't even take that much credit for how well she's done because her family is really invested in in helping her be successful in that category in particular. So uh, now that we've established how much we are not experts in moments in history. <laughs> Let's pretend we are. Yes, because we're the ones with a podcast. So take that's that. what we get to do. Take that other schools that have had multiple state champions. <laughs> yeah, right? You ain't on no podcast and none of you reached out to us to be on this podcast. So you get stuck with us. So yeah, listen carefully and rebut us online if you want to. Using the hashtag Cataglorious. Cataglorious. Um, so what would you, I guess, yeah, wherever you want to start, how does one become successful in this? I joke that when a student wants to do a moment in history, they should type in the time period and then go to the 11th page on the Google search and start reading results from there. Because I think one of the things that kids get stuck in in moments in history is that when they start looking at stuff, they find something with tons of information right from the jump because it's really well known. And then you end up with the issue of lots of kids having the same topic. But I think really great moments in history are ones that I don't know about. They're either something specific within a bigger like event or there's something mm-hmm. that people have just never even heard of. and not being afraid if there's not a ton of information, even if there's just one really great article mm-hmm. that is just like, then you can, and you can write from there. I think that I don't think that there's a source minimum for moments in history, but I think that the things that make a great moments topic are things that are not that well known. 
Like, I, I don't need to hear about the history of, oh gosh, how do I talk about this without calling out other, I don't want yeah, to make people feel bad. Tough. Maybe I won't. Um, but there I, are just, well, takes all there's some the fact moments. I know what you're talking about. The listeners know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but there's just certain ones that we've all heard like a million times or like that we're all familiar with. But the, the things that I want to hear about are the ones that are like, I had no idea this was a thing. And I walk away and I'm like, dude, I can go to my non-forensics friends. and like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, this weekend I heard this amazing speech all about this like weird guy who just like played an entire like quiz show like thing and like like scammed all these people for this money. But it was really also the producers helping scam him and blah, 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 blah. I like I think those make a really great speech, like starting from like topic wise, like from the beginning, finding a topic that is not well known or that is something small that happened within a a bigger known event so that you can pull us in one way and then you can bring us deeper into the story. Well, and like we talked about with informative, you have to pick a topic that can fill your time, but not a topic that you you can't possibly tell the whole story in that amount of time. Why did you go away? I I closed our FaceTime because yesterday I took notes while I was talking to Mike and I wanted to make sure that I I opened up and refreshed oh, okay. myself with the notes that he gave me. Uh because, uh, as I said, I, I allowed Mike to give me some notes. And uh, he believes that uh, a successful moment in history is uh, less about just uh, telling the story of an event and the idea of either bringing a past event to the present or taking something that happened, like that's happening now, and bringing it backwards to this event. So the either the effects of it and 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 showing the course of it throughout history or starting with a thing that happened now and why it happened because of an event that had happened way 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 back uh because i think some people get into the idea that it is just a retelling of a moment in history uh but it needs to also it's again like i mean i feel like we're going to say this a lot when we're talking about category of stuff making people care yeah <laughs> And and relating a past event to some to the present is a, the easiest way, I think, to make a moment in history topic compelling to its audience. I mean, to some degree, why would we even talk about it if it didn't reverberate through time in such a way that it's still relevant? Yeah. You know, like that would. Yes, that would be a bad topic if there if something that just happened but there wasn't really a lot of consequences and I'm just kind of telling you about it. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to be a really great storyteller and writer and have a really great visual aid to make that interesting. Because if there were no consequences to the actions that took place in that time period, why would I want to listen to it? Yeah. So yeah, at first I was like, I don't know if I agree with this, but then I got all the way to the other side of like, Oh wait, actually maybe that's the crux of it when we're talking about making something interesting or picking a good topic, like that's really the thing that would make it interesting. Yeah. It's like, why does, why does it matter? And just like an informative when it's, you know, up to the student to uh, identify why the topic has merit, it is up to the student in the moments in history speech to tell us why this event mattered 
and not just tell yeah. us what happened. Because, yeah, that'd be really boring, even if it was something significant and they forgot to be like, forgot to mention why it's significant. That would be that would be a tough speech to sit through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like we're going to have to talk about visual aids here. Well, yeah, I was going to talk about that when we were saying the things that like people believe are like things you assume about moments in history. I have seen great moments in history without a VA. What? Like or visual aid. What? Yeah. But I've also seen moments in history where their visual aid completely enhanced the performance and was a super great part of it. Um, um I am shocked that you're saying you have heard a moments in history that was good even if it didn't have a visual aid. I know. I thought I thought Something was automatically worse if it didn't have a visual aid when visual yeah. aids are allowed. Yeah. Are you saying that's not true? I am. And I firmly believe it. Oh, my God. You're like, I know. Blowing my mind right now. Yeah. Because here's the thing. And there are going to be people who are going to say that this is really crappy and I don't care. Um, Naomi Smalls up in this piece right now. I have used the quality of a visual aid to be a thing that has docked someone down their rank when they were close mm. with someone else. Like their speeches are pretty good, similar qualities, but the visual aid added nothing and was distracting and like was poor quality. The speech that didn't have a visual aid to well, me it, was the better speech then. Because it didn't have that distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's certainly such a thing, too, as maybe a good visual aid, but not interacting with it well, which is something I've critiqued with Moments in History kids a lot um, and demo kids a lot, where it's like, okay, you have this gorgeous visual aid with you and you never reference it. It's just sitting there or you spend your speech standing in front of it um, or conversely you spend way too much time referencing it and all i see is your side or your back as you're moving parts of your visual aid around yeah like a visual aid should be visually appealing it should be able to communicate information without you telling me anything about it Um, and if it does have moving pieces those pieces better be able to move quickly and seamlessly and the same way every time Otherwise, it's a That's trap the other thing that they can that VA fall into. Can stand for. It's not just a visual aid; it also be visually appealing. Yeah, yeah. Um, did Mike have any other thoughts on that? No, that was his main one. Okay. He had a lot more thoughts about being not included in solo acting. Ah, okay. I see. I see. I see. Well, maybe we'll have to do it again. <laughs> Take two. Yeah. <laughs> Categorious part three point oh. <laughs> we'll figure it yep. out. We'll get there. Um, So, yeah, I would say paying attention to visual aids is uh, important, but not necessary. Because if you're going to do it, make sure it works. And certainly we know of students in moments in history who have done better because they had an amazing visual aid. It's not like it's not like it's a waste of time to put time and energy into doing a really nice presentation. Um, it's just knowing how to use it. Once you have it, you got to know how to use it. Um, and if that's troubling to you, talk to your coach, they'll help you out. 
Um, and if your coach uh, has gotten you to a point where they think you're good, go ask somebody else. Because when it comes to visual representations of things, different people have different perspectives on what works and what doesn't work. And sometimes I can see something and really like it and somebody else can see it and give a critique and I'll go, oh, I hadn't thought of that. But now that you mention it, you're right. Yeah. So, so it's really important to, uh, to take that feedback seriously. Um, what do student, students learn from this category? Uh, well, one, they learn the, how to present with a visual aid if they use one, which is things, something that plenty of us do in real life when we're doing a meeting uh, and we're presenting with charts and graphics and that sort of thing. Uh, but it also teaches you how to teach someone else about something. Uh, you, you go through and you take in all of this research and it, then you are the one that has to digest and then present it out into a small six-minute speech, which is hecka difficult depending on the sort of event you're trying to like pare down because obviously there, especially with different kinds of historical events where there are entire tomes after tomes written about like certain people and certain events and you have to digest it down into six minutes for your audience, it can be really difficult. But it's also a super important skill to have if you're someone who's going into all sorts of different fields not just teaching, but if you're training someone, someone else at your job, you have to take your entire work, like training and digest it and to give it out to someone else. Like it's a skill that we all need. And I think people forget how important it is until you point them out, point it out to them. Like, Hey, yeah, this is something that we're learning in moments in history. Uh, and that's the, I think the kids who are really good are the ones who use every second of those six minutes to teach me about this like crazy cool event or make an event that I thought was super boring into something super interesting. Yeah. So I have nothing to add. That's pretty much exactly what I was going to say. But bam, well, bam, I did it. Yeah. Do you, were there any other myths you wanted to address about this category? No, the VA thing really gets me heated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I no, think that I people would, and I think that sometimes judges are scared to tell kids that their visual aid doesn't add to their performance because sometimes they've worked really hard on it. Uh, but, and I also know that sometimes coaches are afraid because they can see that they can bring a visual aid and they're like, oh, I can slack a little bit in my actual speech because this visual aid can help make up for it. And it's like, no, because one, what if there are people in your room that have poor sight and they can't see a visual aid anyway? Doesn't matter. So what if the room is giant? I had a visual aid. I judged in moments around a few weeks ago where I could not see what was on the visual aid from where I was sitting. It made no difference to me. Yeah. And I had to put that on the critique because it was also a very complicated VA. There was a lot of stuff happening, but there was tons of it that I couldn't see. So it felt like, and they'd obviously put so much work into it and they'd, they'd practiced their interactions. They were like doing it okay, but, and I felt awful writing it, but at the same time, it was super distracting from the speech. So mm -hmm. letting kids know when their visual aid isn't adding anything to their performance, like just say it. Cause I think a lot of the times it's necessarily not. Right. So, or at the very least, don't dock, don't dock kids who don't have it. Stop right. doing that. I was going to say, but at the very least, it didn't do anything for you. 
And if in that day, that student's experience and moments in history, they get five judges that say, I love your visual aid and one that says it didn't work for them. Yeah. You know, part of what we teach kids in every category of this activity is like, you have to take that information in and then you have to decide which parts of it you're going to heed and you and you're going to work with your coach to decide whether or not that comment from a judge is worth addressing at this moment in time, because maybe that coach worked with that kid and was like, Oh, so what was the environment like in the room? And she was like, Oh, it was really big. And the coach was like, well, then they just couldn't see. And they moved on. Or maybe the coach hadn't seen the visual aid and was really happy to have that feedback on the critique so that they could look at it and go, Oh, okay. This is a lot. And so we're going to pare it down or we're going to find a way to present chunks of information, smaller bits of information in an easier to read or see format. So that's really good. Um, I would say one myth that I would want to address is that informative speeches in general, but moments in history specifically, um, that they are not at all persuasive. Yeah. because. As we talked about earlier in the in our talk about this, like you have to convince me that this matters. And when you're doing that part of it, when you're introducing the topic, I need you to invest something in the topic enough so that I care and want to follow along and and have interest and ask and start to ask questions in my own mind that hopefully you then answer before the end of your speech. And so there's, there is a somewhat persuasive element, I think, to all interesting informative speeches. Um, it's not just like, I'm going to talk about this. Enjoy. Why does it matter? Yeah. Tell me why it matters. And, and that's when I think about, um, you know, those informative speeches we referenced a couple weeks ago at nationals, like that's why some of them were so great because they, they started and I was like, do I care about this? Oh, I do care about this. You super do. Oh, I didn't know my life was affected by this thing in that way. And, And moments in history kind of tying what Mike said and what you have said to now this like persuade me it's worth listening to that's your first job and then inform use use your your information to support the thesis that this is important and worth talking about so yeah um i'm trying to think of like some super memorable performances i've seen in moments in history um And what's funny is like what I'm getting as we've talked about visual aids now for the last like 15 minutes, I'm getting flashes of like really cool visual aids that I've seen Uh and I'm not having a lot of like content come back to me. (laughs) That's fair, man. So take that for what it's worth. And maybe that just reinforces everything you said about whether or not visual aids are important, (laughs) like, or necessary rather they are important. I mean, they can be really good, but it's, it's, what I'm seeing in my head are flashbacks of like the mechanisms of how it moved or like what was revealed yeah. and being like, cool. Um, that's also part of like how you as a person learn. So yeah, true. I'm more of a reader when I need to retain information. Yeah. So. Whereas I am, I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe instead of 
like the 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 ones that I always walk away like continuing to talk about again are the ones where someone found like a what will is sort of like a blip on the timeline of of history and just has found a way to bring the magnifying glass to it and let all of us stand around to enjoy it with them. Yeah. Uh, and I think those are the the what makes really great moments in history. Also, the fact that we can call it mom, that makes me really happy. <laughs> I like the little things in life. Oh. I'm a simple that, gal. That makes sense. That's a good place to stop, I think. Well, can, wait, can I tell a story about mom quick? Oh my gosh, I yeah. can't believe I didn't tell this at the beginning. Okay. So Friday, to, so to bring the kids to Congress, I have to go inside the high school to meet up with them outside of Kroll's classroom. His classroom is in a main hallway. So I just, and I can't go into his room because he has a class. So I just stand in the hallway next to a bubbler waiting for my students to meet me there. So I was standing in the hallway and one of the other teachers, I think he's an English teacher. Honestly, I'm not entirely sure is like walking back and forth and he like says hello to me and he asks what I'm doing and I tell him I'm waiting to take kids to student congressional debate and he's like oh what's the topic you're debating about and I was like uh well they're debating about a lot of different stuff uh that's not really one thing it's not what you probably think of when you think of traditional debate and he just like keeps walking away from me and then Kroll needed him to do a favor for him so Kroll like accompanied him to go pick up something from the printer for us and when they walked away, my student Mason was standing next to me and we were chatting because I talked to my students and it must have been in such a friendly, familial way that that staff member then asked Ben, oh, so is that Mason's mom? Welcome. You're officially old now. Okay, but here's Is that here's the first the time that's happened? Um, yeah. Okay, well, like, welcome. Genuinely, It yes. was bound to happen. But, Sorry. But here's, here's the gag. I went to high school with Mason's older sister. Like, his oldest sister and I went to high school together, and yet this man thought Mason was my child. What grade is Mason in? He is a freshman. So he's 13? But he is 13? also a very tall freshman. But he's like 13? He is 14 and a half. He's 14? Okay. So... <laughs> Like, if you had made different choices in your life, you could be Mason's mom. Welcome. Yeah, but not the life Welcome. that I've led. Welcome to the club. No, Melissa, this happens. Eventually, you get old enough to be their parents. I know. Welcome. But, oh. Uh, also, I don't like the staff member. The staff member gives my kids crap all the time. He's not very forensic supportive. So I already had, like, a chip on my shoulder about the man. And then he'd go be thinking I'm Mason's mom. And I did not appreciate that. But... It has led to a really great joke about me being Mason's mom in real life. Because yesterday that kid drank way too much soda at the tournament and I yelled at him like I was his real mother. I'm glad uh, you're deflecting this, but I just would like to continue. Okay, I'm old. I'm, I'm turning 30. It finally happened. It finally, it happened. finally happened. It took me turning 30 to think that I was someone's mom. We've all been there. Everybody who's older than you has been waiting for this moment to happen. And we're we're happy to hear that it finally did. You could be I'm Mason's just chalking mom. it up to the fact that I just look like garbage this week. So I just look older than normal. Sure. Whatever you need to tell yourself. That's what I have to tell myself. <laughs> yeah. 
But it's, anyway, okay. I just want to get that story on the podcast because I appreciate it. Now everyone can live in my pain with me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember well the first time a student looked me dead in the eyes and said, Well, you could be my dad. And I was like, No, I could. Oh. I was like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I would have had to make some choices in high school that would have resulted yeah. in a baby very early in my life. But like, oh, yeah, I guess that could have happened and does happen. Oh, and so it's not that weird to kids yeah. who also tend to think I am 10 years older than I actually am. So it's true. So be grateful it took this long. Ah, Welcome. Welcome to the Old People Club. We are our own um, moments in history now. We are. Well, that was delightful. I'm really happy we got to share that with people. And yeah. that and that is a good way to end the pod. <laughs> so I hope everybody enjoyed our three episode week. Do not expect that to happen again for a little while because it was a lot of extra work. And my Internet was sucking butt last week. So getting all of those to upload was a pain in the butt. But it finally worked and it happened and things are good. Are you laughing because I said butt twice? No, I'm laughing about a horrible thought that I'm thinking that I'll tell you when we stop recording because it is not educational podcast friendly. Fair enough. Well, then let us say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Talk to you guys next week. Forensics Faces is proudly produced in Wisconsin, the birthplace of the National Forensics League. Our theme song was written and performed by JJ Hammeister. If you're a fan of Forensics Faces, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also get in touch with Melissa and me by emailing listen at ForensicsFaces.com. You can also find links to all our social media accounts and online merch store by visiting ForensicsFaces.com. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak. Preferably in that order. I forgot to talk about Bus Drivers Club. Bus Drivers Club Watch. Guys, after getting four weeks deep and not seeing a Bus Drivers Club this week at Hornville High School, Bus Drivers Club was out to get their lives. They were at a huge table. There was like 10 of them. They were so ruckus. And I was like walking to my second round. I was kind of not in a great mood because the coffee wasn't very good and they didn't have any creamer for me to put in it. And I was like, I'm just sad and cranky and I want caffeine. And I'm walking out and all of a sudden there's just this huge burst of laughter. And I look over and it was the BBC, y'all. It was Bush Drivers Club. And they were out and they were so happy and they were just like so ruckus. They were like slapping the table. Whatever someone said was so funny. And my, it made my heart go three sizes. And I went into my round just so stoked about life because Bus Drivers Club was back. And I even was like bragging to people about how I was so excited to talk about Bus Drivers Club on the podcast. And we got all the way through the episode before I forgot. Oh, you guys. Bus Drivers Club. 2K19. Also, looking at my audio for this is just all spikes because I just yelled at my microphone for a minute and 15 seconds. <sighs> oh.